Graphic design? Can you make a living at that? Three, two, one. Welcome to Design Futures, a show about what happens after design school. I'm Chris St. Cyr, and my guest on this episode is Malik A. Turgut. How are you? I'm good. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Malik A. is a design manager at Squarespace, where she leads the web expressibility team. She has also designed books, apps, games, interiors, brand guidelines, and campaigns while working at Sci Partners, AKQA, Digitas, and RGA. She's also currently an adjunct instructor of interaction design at the School of Visual Arts and a 2011 graduate of the Ringling College of Art in Design. That makes me sound so impressive. (laughs) You are impressive. Yes. I mean, look at that list. There's some significant digital Mm -hmm. uh, companies on that list. You know, hopefully we'll get to talk a little bit about that pathway that led you to Squarespace. That's where I want to start. I mean, everybody knows Squarespace these days. It's all over. Uh, podcasts. Podcast. Yeah. I mean, that's where I really hear the advertising <laughs> a lot is all my favorite podcasts. Squarespace yep. is the, is, the uh, is one of the sponsors. But I want to start with the design manager. What is your role as a design manager? of the web expressibility team? Yeah, that's a new role for me. It's been about two months, so I'm easing into it. But what it really means is I'm doing less execution work and more just checking in and setting a foundation for other designers. I manage three people who are ranging from junior designers to senior designers. It's a lot of documentation sometimes. It's bringing starting points to a project and just overseeing the design of whatever everyone's working on. So, so you're in that manager role. So you're managing people and projects. Right? Yeah, because I'm transitioning right now, I'm still in that world of still doing the work and still mm-hmm. managing people. And is the team new or was the team put together with you in mind or how did that work um, One person is new, we just hired him, but then the other team members on my team have been with me working uh, side by side. You're at the manager level. And what was your position before manager? I was a design lead. And before that, I was a senior designer for a really long time. So the design lead role happened, which I was pretty happy about because in that role, you're still doing a lot of the design work, the design Mm -hmm. thinking, and just carving that path of um, once the project is briefed, you Mm -hmm. still have that ownership. But you don't have to manage people, which is great because you have all the time to just do the execution and just create the vision that you see. I did that role for a year and then the manager thing happened. 10 years in the field. What's what's the range of salary for, and you're a design manager, which is a different responsibility. So that's that's a different level than, you know, a lot of students coming out of school. Obviously, you're going to be a junior level or entry level. What's uh, what's the salary range that you might expect at, at your level? At my company, there's three levels, design manager one, two, three. The entire like compassing of like the manager role could range from 160 to 200, depending on experience more or less that can like add to it. But those are usually the bands that you would see. Yeah, I think that's that's something that's important for uh, I think young designers to see that there's there's potential in promotion and salary and, and all those kinds of things. And like you said, when you start to get in those upper levels, you actually do less design. 
there is something that's happening which is interesting and I'm glad it's happening because usually people start out as designers and then they, like you said, they either want a promotion, they want more money, more recognition, they want a leadership role, and then the path is manager. So they're like promoted into this role that they did not really prepare for. But what's happening now is in the past couple of years, there's this title called staff, Mm -hmm. staff designers that's popping up a lot more. We have them in my company as well. And I see it in most places now, it's just showing up. And then there's also principal designers. And these people actually, the minimum like experience level that they have is like 10, 12 years. So they're still designers and they still focus on craft, no managing whatsoever. They don't want to do that. They still want to be an individual contributor. And I think that's so amazing because the they still get paid, you know, for their experience level and their contribution, if not more, like just like as much as a manager would. And there's at the table making decisions, they're in the leadership role. I mean, it makes sense, but mm-hmm. I haven't really heard much about that I'll have to look into that that's because you because you're right I mean there's definitely Mm -hmm. you know people when when you get to a certain point in your career and you're you still want to be a designer you don't want to have to give up the design to have more responsibility or to do a a different kind of job but I I want also to like in your in your bio or your intro that I gave it's web expressibility can you uh, explain what that is what's a web expressibility team at Squarespace? Ah, Good question. Expressibility. That word is so, so interesting because what does it even mean? We came up with that word because we just couldn't really put a word to web design, but it's really what it means. It's web design. It's interesting. I mean, Squarespace is tech. So I work in tech and any tech company, the makeup of a team is you have a product designer, you have a product manager, and you have a bunch of engineers. What's really interesting about Squarespace is you have web design in the mix because Mm -hmm. the main tool we're creating is a website builder. Mm -hmm. So my team is kind of the expert almost in that field. We come in and we help the product designers and engineers identify the right functions, the right styling options, the desirability of a certain, let's say, a template or Mm -hmm. a section layout and how that layout could turn into different layouts with different people. So it's a lot of figuring out the expressibility of a layout. It's like all the versions. I was reading the, is the title, the title of the article that you wrote for the blog is something like a, yeah. a, mil, a million websites or a million. Yeah, designing for the million websites. Yeah. yeah. And I, that was a fascinating article to read and just the approach to system, a design system within, you know, web uh, platform. Which may, makes me think of connecting it with other things going on in technology in mm-hmm. terms of design production, and that's artificial intelligence, right? Like Adobe, they have a sen- mm-hmm. they have their tool called Sensei, right? And it does all these amazing things like in Photoshop. Yeah. And so I wonder, has, has Squarespace looked into or are you looking into artificial intelligence to you know, to come up with all those million variations and then mm-hmm. you as the designers are, you know, refining uh, those choices. Yeah, we have a uh, machine learning team. Usually they work on internal projects. For example, uh, like if you go to search for the like, customer service, 
the bot that gives you answers that's like all machine learning uh, before you get to a real person so that you can kind of you know easily find stuff but then we have another aspect of machine learning that looks into just layout types we're not there yet to kind of come up with like a product but we are definitely always experimenting with even if you just like had a JPEG of something, could that turn into a website? How would it turn into a website? So we do a lot of experimentation that way, which is fascinating. And I do see that being the future and designers are there to finesse that product because you still have to add that design aesthetic. Yeah, you still have to make those final choices and uh, and understanding users and behaviors and interpretation and tension, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's there's things that the machine won't do, but it's definitely things that the machine will do really well, like make a million iterations of something very quickly. You know, there's definitely that discussion going on in design that it it -hmm. will replace some some level of of designer job, you know, that the oh for sure. The the designers that are just making iterations of whatever logos or layouts or whatever it is, like Mm -hmm. at some point that that role could be in jeopardy. Yeah. Um, Since we're we're talking about that, I want to share my screen because just so I can so are you and your team coming up with like, I don't know, say like the system of, of this, uh, like the color palette and the type, and then you're going over variations for any of these? How do these come into existence here? There's multiple products that I'm working on. So whenever I kind of unlock a new type of layout with the engineers that I can kind of make, I try to gauge its usability from a visitor perspective, like what type of purpose can be attached to that layout? What type of content could I put? Could someone else put? These might look complicated and very designed, but they all lie on a very simple foundation that is the bulk of my work, which is identifying these styling options and the functions and how they just kind of, it's almost like a living organism. Like how how does it work? And it is definitely like an automated system, but it's a lot of edge cases. It's a lot of guardrails. Uh, like when you want to make, it's not sometimes. What do you mean by guardrails? What what is what's that? Like mean? setting setting rules. Like sometimes it seems so simple. I just want to make this image full bleed, but then you don't want the text to touch the edges. So text cannot go full bleed. But what does that mean? like is the user adjusting that if they're adjusting it what are the values that they're adjusting it for you can't make it too complicated you can't make it too simple I think that just shows like those are like little pieces that I have to um, determine and add into the UI so that our users are able to adjust the layout as they see fit. It's it's a matter of combination of the usability and the desirability. Mm-hmm. So expressibility is more about, I want that. Like you see a layout and you're like, I want that. And the usability is, I can do that. Product design kind of takes care of the usability aspect. Is this easy to use? Is this playful enough? Is this, you know, um, easy to navigate, change, update? And the expressibility part is, does this look like something that I want on my site? Does this look good with my content? I think you write about it in that in that article. It's not designing this one solution, right? Mm-hmm. You're designing a system. The system is the solution that you're designing. Yeah, it's a lot of systems thinking. That's definitely the word for it. Mm-hmm. So could you explain what this project is, this uh, kind of display? Yeah. This, is, uh, this was for Verizon. 
they came to AKQA and it was actually a very interesting time because this was about four or five years ago. They went to this uh, branding agency, uh, Wyden and Kennedy. They asked them to create um, digital assets because they just had Pentagram do their logo. And, and then they went to this other agency, Siegel and Gale, to ask them to create uh, voice and tone. And then they came to AKQA as their digital partner to create designs in the digital world. So it was actually really interesting because it's a bunch of like companies just coming together and we would have meetings um, like once a week. You're meeting with all those groups at the same time? Yes. We would, oh, okay. We would do a brand check-in where White and Kennedy would be on the call, AKQA would be on the call, uh, Siegel and Gale would be on the call, Pentagram would be on the call. Wow. And um, That's a lot yeah. of big players in, in one, one call <laughs> for uh, one project. They decided that they want to go full-on retail. This was obviously before COVID and retail spaces were the place to be. This place that you're looking at, um, it's Mall of America. They wanted to create this massive, massive space. They wanted it to be like very high tech, a lot of screens, like touch screens, like things that are smart. You can uh, pick a plan, pick a phone, uh, compare plans. The team just went to work on various different ways to approach it. Some people were working on, okay, how would you pick a plan if it was on a screen, if it was a kiosk? Uh, Some people, the motion designers worked on these like massive screens that you're seeing. I was on the digital side, but there were people who worked on the print retail aspects. So they would do a lot of signage and promotional things all around. We designed that entire Mall of America for Verizon and various different Verizon stores. And so what was your role? Were you designing some of these touchscreen interfaces? Yeah, I designed that screen that, like this one, uh, not by myself, but I I was one of the designers on it, along with um, this screen that you're looking at, this one where you pick a plan and coverage. Yeah, and prototyping all of these things. Yeah, um, it's super cool. We had all of these screens actually in the office too because we had to like test them. So it was really fun to like design something on the computer, go up to the screen, touch it, play with it, go back into the, uh, that was definitely fun to see the kiosk come to life. The other project on your website, you can talk about briefly, but yeah. I really like the, uh, the personal project that you have here with the uh, process diagrams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm a sucker for a good diagram. Can you, can you just talk a little bit about, about these? They, they look like maps of a different world. It's actually, it's funny. This started my senior year at Ringling. This was a project. Um, it did not look like this at first, but this was a project for Higgins. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't even know, know what the project was, but we were just asked all of a sudden to create a infograph. People created infograms for like random stuff. I just wanted to create something for like with my own data. (laughs) This was one of the first ones that I've done. So it's like 10 years ago. Again, it did not look like this. I finessed it. It still has the core idea of this almost like time going backwards. And because the red line is the timeline, but the blue line is just kind of going counterclockwise to reach the end. And I just wanted to describe how much you have to do in design work there's just it's not a straight line from like here's your prompt to design it's yeah you're telling me you really it's all circuitous and like yeah uh, roadblocks (laughs) oh yeah I agree yeah that makes sense yeah yeah I liked doing that and then I didn't touch this for like several years 
And then I, I, I don't know how it happened, but I came across it again in my old files. And I was like, I really like this. I, I, I like the fact that I was doing something to visualize my process. And I wondered like, oh, how would it work if I actually, you know, came across an obstacle? How would my timeline change? How would my process change? So I just kind of like started doing this. I do less of it, but I, whenever I have time, these are like super accessible to me at my desk where I just like, especially if I'm doing something new, I try to put it in a graphic instead of words. Some people write about their process. I just try to express it with these. You make a doodle. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, that's basically what it is. And then I still try to write about just to give context because when someone looks at this, they're probably like, what is going on here? That's a good segue into your time at Ringling. That's where we we met. Where were you before Ringling and how did you choose that school? It's funny. I didn't really choose it. I wanted to go to Maryland (laughs) (laughs) and then they wouldn't want me. (laughs) I was taking um, AP art or AP portfolio, like one of these art classes. And I did have an instructor who was very helpful to everyone in the class, especially like our senior year. And she was like suggesting, you should try applying to this school. You should, you would like this one. She was very like helpful. So Ringling came from that. Like she was, she was just like, there's a school called Ringling. It's in Sarasota. I really did enjoy my time there. I learned a lot. I met amazing people. I, I need you to tell the story about the the drawing project in, in, in my class. There are stories in my teaching career that I always remember. And, and this is one of those stories. And so, so tell, so tell the story. I, I think it was a draw. It was like a drawing project where I had students use traditional tools and then find some untraditional tools yeah. to, to use, to draw and, and make marks. Before I get to that, you, your assignment was crazy because you didn't just say like, Oh, just pick up a few things and like draw with that. You said something like, find 50 untraditional sure. <laughs> I live in a dorm room. I have nothing. And it was so difficult. I feel like if you ask me this right now, I, I can just look around and <laughs> I, I can just find anything. Right. Um, I would find hundreds of things. But as a college student, just in a dorm, I was out of objects within like my fifth, <laughs> fifth <laughs> object. Yeah. So I kept pushing. I went outside. I I did what I could. I think I reached like 25 and I was still in my dorm room by the window. There's a window right in front. And I'm just like a little bit frustrated because how am I going to finish this assignment? I want to finish it. Like I want to get a good grade or whatever. And then there comes a lizard just from that window. And I didn't even think twice about it. I just picked it up and dipped him in ink (laughs) and then I just made marks. I did feel okay about it because a friend of mine told me that lizards can drop their tails, but then it will just grow back. It's fine. So I was like, this is fine. Clearly this is fine. It's going to grow a new tail. It's all good. You have Uh, to sacrifice for your art. Yeah. (laughs) It worked out. It's Florida. You know, you gotta, you gotta use what's around you, you know, and there's plenty of those little lizards running around Florida. Totally. Um, You know, I think it's, for me though, it's, it's also telling of who you are and clearly you're talented. I mean, seriously, look at all the work you've done. You've worked some amazing companies, amazing projects. And I think that 
you know, like that, that story is kind of funny and charming, but it also shows me and I think other students and educators like, yeah, like you can just give up or you can just push through or just kind of use what's around you. And I don't know, yeah. I think there's, there's something nice about like seeing where you are now, the success you have with tying it back to those kinds of stories. And there, there are probably some other stories like that too, that you, um, that you could probably think of that, you know, that's definitely about like the, the teaching part, which I do want to hear about your teaching, you know, like you may be the first student I, I know of that has gone, has taught adjunct. So, so you're teaching at SVA, mm -hmm. right? School of Visual Arts. So tell me how that happened and uh, talk about a little bit what you're teaching. Yeah. So we went to SVA's portfolio reviews and it's kind of like almost like an industry event. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people go, a lot of companies, agencies, art studios will go to find interns. And that's exactly what we wanted. We wanted to hire an intern for our team and we did, which was awesome. But in the process, we got introduced to someone who was working there and she just like, she, like her face lit up the moment, like she heard us um, say that we're from Squarespace because she knew that, oh, like a website uh, builder tool, we need more instructors who can teach digital. Will you guys be interested? At the time, she only spoke to my uh, manager and we just kind of heard about it, but we just moved on. Then like months later, that just kind of kept coming up because she kept emailing. She was very persistent. She kept emailing to my manager, like, we really need someone. Like, I think you guys would be perfect. All that kind of stuff. And I co-teach with another coworker of mine. He was really interested in it. And then he kind of asked me if I wanted to do it also because first time teachers, I guess like it's better for SVA to kind of have two rather than just one. Mm -hmm. Even though I wasn't looking <laughs> to teach, I was like, this is a nice opportunity. I, I think I could do it. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> um, <laughs> Famous last words from adjunct instructors. <laughs> yeah, I thought it'd be fun. It'd be nice to like meet people and all that kind of stuff. It was just uh, quite <laughs> disorganized, but we made it. I signed a contract an hour before I had to teach. So that was great. <laughs> Everything was so not on time. I walked in without even a key card. The students had to open doors for me, but then they were just like giving me looks because it's like, they're like, oh, you're another student or something. Right, right. And then I come into class and it's just, there's clearly an age difference, but like not that big of an age right. difference where they immediately see you as like, oh, the instructor. So that was definitely interesting. It's been good. It's been um, our first year. I kind of want to apologize to everyone I taught in my first year <laughs> because I had no, I, I, I hope they got stuff out of it. Looking back, it was definitely all over the place. Um, we had a very high level syllabus that we barely followed and it was <laughs> it, it was just hard it's it's also interesting because i feel like in looking back into my experience i had semester long classes i didn't have year long classes yeah so this was interesting because we were quite shocked that like oh we're teaching next semester with the same people <laughs> oh, <laughs> what wow. what more are we going to talk about <laughs> and it's the same course you're teaching 
web and interaction design? Yeah, it's like part one and part two. Okay. So I guess it gets more advanced, but we thought it was one semester and we would repeat that semester. So they didn't even tell us that. So we were like, oh no, we have to teach more. <laughs> so just add, add more complexity to yes. the uh, exactly. problems for the spring. So is this your second year? This is my second year. This year is so much better. Yeah, it's, it's just interesting. Like the, you know, the tables have turned. <laughs> right. So what, what do you think about about teaching, about the role of, of, of a teacher, or I mean, have you have you had any of those kind of moments, like where you reflect back on you know being in the classroom as a student, like oh, that's what they were doing, or like have you like come to yeah. any uh, realizations? I, I feel like it happens all the time, like less so over Zoom in the previous semester, just like being in class, just the you can just tell when someone like did work literally an hour before <laughs> and it's so no. because but because when I was a student I would do something an hour before and I would be like there's no way he could tell <laughs> and now it's so obvious when someone did something an hour before yes <laughs> and yes. they try to you know feed you as like yeah I've been working on this day and night five days straight and it's like no <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> there are very few students I've had that can get away with that. I mean, there, there are definitely some, you know, there's some, you probably, you might work with some of them. There are some designers that mm -hmm. can just kind of pull it out, you know, in the last hour, like there it is, it's all done. And, and it looks great. And it meets all the benchmarks of, of right. what, what, what should be happening. But um, <laughs> yeah, mo most, most of the time it's, uh, there's a lot of BS when, when it comes to that kind of presentation. One of the questions I sent you ahead of time, I, I don't know if you, you thought about it, but mm -hmm. you having, you know, being a teacher now, so that's definitely a different role than you have as your full-time job. So the, so, so the question is, what, what do you think needs to change in design education? Is there anything or, you know, from your perspective as a designer, 10 years experience as a design manager, managing other mm -hmm. younger designers, and, and now teaching a little bit, you know, are there things that you think about when you look back at your own design education? Yeah, that's a great question because yeah, what needs to change from my class now and also like reflecting to my design education, students aren't really answering the question why, like why they're doing something. And sometimes it's okay because you are experimenting clearly. The reason is to experiment. But sometimes I'm looking at work and there's a certain typeface being used or a certain color. And I just want people to be able to say why they're using that. Not just like, that's a color I picked or I like that color. It might be that they like that color, but if they really like, if they thought about it, just reflect it on it a little bit, they're gonna find something else. They're going to find a reason why. <laughs> And I think that's missing because I, I look at so much work now with the students, the 15 people just constantly like sharing work and they can't really answer why they're doing something. When you start working, you really have to defend your ideas. You can't just go to your, you know, design manager or, you know, client or whoever mm -hmm. and say, this is a really trendy font and I want to use it. Or this, this color is like my favorite. It's awesome. It's so whatever. 
you have to put substance to it and you know some people are really great at bullshitting and oh, yeah <laughs> like you know get away with it and you're like oh my god but you really have to learn to talk about it i i asked a few few of my students and because you've had this career which has again you've works for some major digital companies. I want to ask this one question in particular, uh, Maggie Birek. She asked, like, uh, were the beginning stages of being a designer difficult? Mm -hmm. And did you st struggle finding a job in the beginning? I have an interesting answer to that because, so I went to high school in Florida. I went to college in Florida. And I just knew both times, I just want to get out of Florida. <laughs> Nothing against Florida necessarily, but I just wanted to like leave. It was just not my place. However, being a student, I just like didn't have the funds to just like, all right, like I'm going to buy a ticket, go to New York, the most expensive place right. in America, like I'll be fine. So I only applied to jobs in New York that would fly me there, mm -hmm. that would pay me money. And that would help me find a place. That's a lot to ask for, but I found two places that would actually do that for you. One of them, I forget the name of this agency. I don't think they even exist anymore. And the other place was called MRM and they were doing this, they called it the apartment program. They would, mm -hmm. um, they wouldn't necessarily fly you to New York, but they would give you an apartment for free and they would pay you on top of that. And I was like, this is what I need. I don't even know what MRM does, but like, that's just <laughs> like, a foot into door. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. A lot of my friends at the time were applying to their like dream jobs or the studios that they've been following all of their college careers. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do that, but I, it just wasn't realistic for me. Even if I was accepted, like I, there's no way I could have gone. That's why I applied to those two places. I never heard from the other one, but then the MRM place, they got back to me because also interesting, a um, Ringling student a year above me, Bill DeMondi, I don't know if you mm -hmm. know him. Yep, I'm uh, connected to him, uh, some platform. <laughs> so Bill was part of the apartment program, apparently. So he, he did okay. that. He was hired by MRM, joined, stayed in this apartment with like four other people and, you know, worked at MRM. So that's why they knew Ringling and they, you know, saw my application and they're like, cool, like we like Will, we'll probably like this girl. Okay. <laughs> um, so I got lucky. I got in. It was, so it turns out that MRM is an advertising agency. I never wanted to work in advertising ever in my life. But again, if I had to do it, I would do it again because it got me in New York. It got me an apartment in Williamsburg for free. It's insane. Again, if I had to do it by myself, I'd probably live somewhere so far away so that it's cheap. And then I would have to like deal with so many other issues. So forever grateful. And I stayed there and every other job after that has been through a connection. It's so important to, you know, build bridges, right. not burn them and just constantly network and meet people and be nice to people and be just a good person so that people want to work with you. Mm -hmm. I was an MRM. I had a creative director who left MRM to go to Digitas and he called me. He's like, you want to work here? I was like, sure. <laughs> I still don't know what I'm doing. Just sure. Like something right. different. I got that job there and I was there. And then I left because 
another director went to um, AKQA and he's like, you want to come here? There's like this kind of stuff happening. Cool. I'll come there. <laughs> and then um, that's literally how everything wow. happened. All right. So I want to wrap up with some pop quiz questions. Uh, <laughs> it's like you're in, you're in college again. I, I'm pretty sure you'll pass. Okay. So work beverage. Coffee. <laughs> coffee. You got to keep going. After work beverage. More coffee. <laughs> More coffee. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you work for a tech company. So you mm-hmm. think, uh, I want you to think about your workstation. How many monitors, how many computer monitors do you have? Just this one. Just I'm one? A, I'm a special case. Everyone is weirded out by it, but I'm a trackpad designer with a laptop. I can go Wow. That seems very slow. You don't have like three monitors in front of you? No, everyone does. In the office, it was always like a joke because, you know, everyone gets an additional monitor. And I had one too, because anyone who works there, you have a massive curved screen monitor. And I would just hang my like jackets and stuff there. (laughs) And everyone just like, what are you doing? That is like a $5,000 monitor. And it's like, I don't use it. Uh, It's it's too big. I can't. Okay, next question. Uh, type or image? Uh, type. Type. Okay. Yeah. Do you listen to music when you're designing? No. No? Silence? Silence or I actually would prefer like a, a show, like a very like lame show running in the background. <laughs> yeah, so you don't have to pay attention to it. Yeah, like I don't pay attention, but it's just sound like that's definitely, yeah. Okay, so uh, we're in uh, unique times as far as work. So work from home or work from the office? Work from the office for sure. Yeah. Um, I do miss like just the people interaction. Um, and also Squarespace does have a really, really nice office that... Yeah. I miss being around. Where's the office located? It's in Soho. It has a really, really beautiful view. It's on 11th floor. And in Soho, there isn't like much, uh, like a lot of tall buildings. So you can get pretty nice um, sky view. And just like the aesthetic of the place is really nice. Like everything is kind of concrete, Uh which was kind of funny because when I started three years ago, it was like really beautiful and nice, but then we scaled and grew like dramatically. And who knew you can't really move concrete desks. So everyone just kept squishing and squishing in and it was just really awkward. Bad design decision there. <laughs> can't move concrete desks. Yeah. Note to self. Okay, so last question, design or manage? Design. What, do you, what are your final words for aspiring designers, students? Well, I think I just want to reinforce that there are so many jobs out there related to design. Just so many. The things that I'm doing right now did not even exist 10 years ago. I learned none of the stuff that I'm doing in school, like product development, uh, product strategy, anything related to tech because none of that really existed. Um, But it's all the same fundamentals. It's all, I keep going back to like the basics of design, right? Typography, space, just the rhythm of elements. That has never changed and it's not really going to change. There's just so much out there. I have to tell my students all the time, you could do this, you could do that, this could happen. Even certain things when I see a student designing, but they're really good with, words there's a job for that it's called content strategy like you can because you have to like think and work with words but you have to work them in designs 
you might have an eye for that. There's, if you're really interested in the research aspect of it, there is UX research. That's like, we have an entire team of, I think 20 people at Squarespace that do that job. UX people that understand research and strategy and work with users. So there's just so much out there. It's actually kind of amazing. I just want people to know that um, it's available for the taking. That's great. That's really good advice. Well, thanks so much. It's been great talking to you. I'll encourage my, well, I don't teach seniors this semester, but I'll say, you know, I know all the seniors are putting together their portfolio websites and some of them I'm sure are choosing Squarespace. So you might be using some design that Malike worked on at some point in the past uh, year or two. So go check out Squarespace and all those amazing, all those million amazing designs that <laughs> Malike has worked on. It was great to talk to you. Thanks yeah. for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. All it's right. Great. Bye. Bye. What did we learn from Malike? Well, if a stranger at a design event asks you to teach, you should teach. You might learn something about design. Also, don't be a jerk. Well, in her words, uh, be a nice person. Somebody you work with uh, might move on to a new job and uh, they might ask you to join them. And finally, draw with something other than a pencil. You might end up telling that story on a podcast someday. Thanks to Malika Turgut of Squarespace. If you have any comments or questions for me or my guests, please leave them in the comments and subscribe so you can catch the next episode of Design Futures. Until next time, go learn something. Your future depends on it. Thanks for listening. See ya.